I have such an infinite supply of wisdom, talent, gifts, and abilities mm. that I will always be able to create any space for myself because that's what I am. I am a creator who can create. Um, I'm not just creative. I am a creator. And a so creator. the ability to be able to create is Love to it. take something from nothing yeah. and make it something, yeah. you know, or to see something in nothing. Welcome back to How He Does It, Season 2, Episode 3. On today's episode, we have Elliot Carlisle. Elliot Carlisle is a man of many talents. He's a New York City-based branding and creative consultant in the fashion and lifestyle industry, working with the likes of the CFDA to a number of A-list clients in the entertainment industry. In addition to his multitude of responsibilities, he also acts as an executive life coach, empowerment speaker, and philanthropist. Elliot, I'm so excited to have you here today. I'm yeah, excited welcome. to be here too. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. I saw you two weeks ago, last week. Yes. Because yes. we were shooting for Bond Officials February issue yes. dedicated to yes. 23 Black Men. Do you want to talk me through the experience you had on set with us and what the reaction was like after you shared it with all of your supporters? Yeah, yeah. So interestingly, I have to say, um, first of all, thank you for that experience and that opportunity. I mean, it's been overwhelming and very humbling. And for me, knowing you for as long as I've known you, we've never created together. Never. And so that was such an intimate experience for me. And I've always um, taken it very, very uh, intimately and, and very special to be in a creative space, um, you know, even working with designers going to their studios is always just this euphoric experience for me so I was really excited because I had known you just in in socially and we you know we built a great friendship but uh, that was my first time with that experience and it was incredible uh, you're so excellent it was it, the vibe of your team was just everything from when we walked in the door uh, to the time it was over and I really really enjoyed that and just to see you do what you do with such excellence and your team just radiates your energy and your your spirit that's just a great uh, vibe for the whole bond team so I felt very much uh, a part of the family on that day and the experience has been amazing when I shared the photos uh, you know you just never know what type of reaction you'll get or how things uh, speak to people or what they get from what you put out and uh, the response has just been beautiful for me you know I like the photos but uh, the way that people shared them with me and the way that they shared them with their audience and the things that they said it was just it was overwhelming and I did I did shed a few tears uh, the day when <laughs> it when it uh, when it went live just because of some messages that I got and you know when you're so busy working and doing what you do you're just in it you just 100%. go 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 you're just in it so sometimes when you have moments like that it allows you to step back a little bit and see yourself outside of yourself because I, I have a saying that we're often too close to ourselves to see ourselves clearly right. mm, and very so true. when you get a chance to step back and observe yourself from a different perspective based off of what people are sharing uh, it can be nice sometimes it can be negative yeah. but either way <laughs> I've learned in my life just to embrace it all the good the bad and the ugly are all necessary for where you are in your present moment. So thank you Aww. for allowing me to have this experience with you all. Wow. Thank you so much yeah, for being a for part joining of us. Yeah. I, it's so funny. Before you got here, I was talking to Phineas, who produces our podcast, mm -hmm. and Marcus, who is also in the Bond official team, that I think for me, what was worth it was seeing the reactions all of the mm -hmm. features got for the covers yeah. versus, you know, accolades that we were getting for creating the cover. I think it's always very nice to highlight your own community and mm -hmm. even in producing the cover we didn't realize or anticipate that something like that would happen wow. so to see it happen mm -hmm. um, especially with the community that we created it for was very very mm -hmm. fulfilling so thank you so much for being mm -hmm. a part of oh, it you're welcome. Uh, and so you. special to have 23 different perspectives from 23 black men yeah yeah i think it 
covered so much of, I mean, our first conversation where we met at an event, yeah. but also reading what you shared to hear from a black man, the importance of, we talked about meditation the first time when mm-hmm. we spoke and yeah. the importance of self and self-awareness and putting in to pour out mm-hmm. and to hear that just being one perspective, but then you have 22 others yeah, from the mouth of a black man, I feel like that's so important, it so is. crucial. It really is, and and the thing is, you were it was celebratory, right? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, if we're honest with ourselves, most of us are always looking at ourselves through the lens of judgment and critique, and mm-hmm. sometimes comparisons right. depends on social media. So when you have those moments to celebrate yourself, it, it almost helps you adjust your narrative. Um, it's a moment for you to look at the impact that you're making on other people's lives and say, "Wow, you know, I'm not as bad as I thought. Or I'm not oh. going as slow." as I thought or I'm not losing as much time as I thought and and I am being you know more effective than I realize that I'm that I'm being and you know again when you're in it you just you're just in it and sometimes you can't see that and so uh, those moments are really good even for myself I realized today that I had so many comments I didn't go back and respond to anyone <laughs> um, I was just overwhelmed Famous. by so many of them and it, again it just it, I was not expecting it you right. know and so um, I realized that they have to go back and say thank you to yes. these people but it just everyone that I got um, no matter if it was an emoji or, or a message it was just wow like i matter to you in that way that right. means a lot yeah, yeah of course yeah. i i want to take it back to when we first met on my way here i was trying to think about it to figure out what was the exact moment we met uh-huh. but i remember the scene it was it mm-hmm. was during new york fashion week mm-hmm. and i believe i was in college but do you specifically remember the moment I that do. we met it oh, was, what was it we were at a cafeteria Oh my gosh! Okay. And um, Kedrick introduced me to you. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Absolutely, I remember now. I yep. remember now. Yep. Oh my gosh! That used to be my go-to spot when I would come here for Fashion Week. I could not leave without having brunch at cafeteria. And so we we were supposed to catch up, and um, and he was like, "I have a really great friend that I want you to meet." And I remember talking to you then, and just watching you, and everything that I've seen you do since that moment has just been so consistent and so wow. excellent. And it's just, I mean, it's just dope. Like I always get the. Big Biggest ball of joy comes up on inside of me when I think about you or talk about you Same or I get you. to see you because you're just you're just amazing and Aww. I love not people everyone has an opportunity in room and space to change and grow but right. there's just a consistency of energy and spirit that I believe when it's authentic it will always be there no matter what place and space you wow. occupy in life and you've just been able to maintain that and I love that you bring your authentic self to what you do and and thank you for that again thank yeah. you you're always so genuine <laughs> with wow. the comments and even going back to cafeteria with Kedrick I remember him saying to me oh my mentor uh, will yeah. be coming to join us and it's so interesting that you're still doing that now mm-hmm. but I think the imprint that you have in my mind and how I see you is you being a force to reckon with within the fashion industry. I recall you working with the CFDA as well, which is not something a lot of people uh, give you accolades for or realize. Do you want to talk about how your interest in the fashion industry began? Um, Did you go to college for it? Is it something that you thought that you wanted to do for the rest of your life? Um, that's a really great point. And Marcus, I believe that we're from the same area. Are yeah, you... you went to school in Charleston? I did go to school okay, in Charleston. I'm from Columbia, South Okay, Carolina. that's what it was, the yeah. connection. So, mm-hmm. I, I, so I'll tell you how I got to Charleston. Okay. I'm originally from Florida. But oh. um, yeah, I went to school. So I grew up as a music kid. And people don't, many people don't know I sing and play piano and do all of that. I'm very musically inclined and classically trained as well. Oh my um, so my dream was to be on Broadway. Like that was what I wanted oh, to do. So same. New York was always like in the view at some point. But 
it's interesting. My second year of college, I went to school on a full, full music scholarship. I was a glee kid. I mean, I did show choir from, from elementary school all the way through uh, high school and then went on a, a full music scholarship to do show choir in college. And my second year, I, I dropped out. I just went through this little depression. Um, I say it was a depression. I just lost the energy for music. Mm-hmm. Uh, performing didn't do what it did for other people. It didn't do that for me. And so um, I and at that time, it was just a shift that I went through. So I wasn't really sure. And I just started to explore. My, luckily, my parents were like, well, you can take the summer off. And if you don't figure out what you want to do, then you have to go back to school uh, in August. So this was the MySpace days. <laughs> and I uh, had seen, I don't know how I connected with all these people that were uh, going to Fashion Week or were connected with Fashion Week on MySpace. I, I knew I had a lot of music friends, but fashion somehow uh, seeped in there. And so I started seeing people talk about New York Fashion Week. And I was like, I want, I can go. So, I mean, I was working, so I booked the ticket and came. Um, you know, rude awakening. I couldn't get into shows because I thought that it was like Broadway. You buy a ticket and you uh-huh. go to the show you want to go to. I have exact story to say. Oh, it yeah. was so crazy. Oh, my so, gosh. Um, but I did have enough sense to talk to people. I've always been a talker. Yeah. And so I did talk to some publicists. I didn't know they were publicists. I didn't know what PR people were or mm-hmm. what, uh, what a publicist was at the time. But they were in black and they looked important. And I was like, okay, I'll talk to them. <laughs> right. So I did. And they told me about uh, the volunteer experience. And they said, you should you should come back and volunteer. So I did the next season. I applied um, and came back. And then I was hired by um, LDJ at the time. Uh, I was between IMG and LDJ, but I was hired to be a production captain because they had to fire uh, the production captain who was backstage taking pictures on set. And you could not do you that. Could not and do so that. Yes. I was working with an event planning company at the time back home. So they saw that I had the experience on my resume and they offered me the job and trained me. And that was my first foray into fashion was working with Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week. These are the years of Lincoln Center um, and doing uh, production. And so um, I took to, you know, know being able to sit on the front row and I'm saying sit on the front row as a volunteer you get to see everything Mm -hmm. back of house and front of house and so I saw all of the moving parts that go into producing a fashion show of course before that I don't think I had ever even looked at a a Vogue magazine all I knew was Ebony Jet and Essence that's what what was at the barbershops and the hair salons and hype hair magazine all of that so it was a it was a new uh, arena for me and I I really ate slept and breathed it I would study the front row study the editors the publications I mean doing all this research I spent so much money I subscribed to every fashion magazine yeah. you know, European and American that I could get because I really wanted to understand this industry but it was PR people that really drew me in and because the event planning uh, company I worked with we didn't have a PR department so whatever event you did you did the PR the marketing the, the planning as well and I said I could I can do this this is what I do already and so I rebranded I didn't know what branding was at the time but I redesigned <laughs> my MySpace page to reflect that I did fashion marketing and mm-hmm. Um, entertainment PR and started attracting clients from all over the U.S. I mean, I've worked with people for years to this day that I still haven't met because especially people wow. on the West Coast. Wow. I mean, it's it's incredible. Um, and I did that uh, until 2012. And then I decided to go back to school. And that's when I moved to Charleston to go to the Art Institute of Charleston to get my BFA in fashion marketing and retail management. And then working there, um, of course, got involved with Charleston Fashion Week and uh, the fashion scene there. And then that's when I started working with Fern Malice, who's the creator of New York Fashion Week, she would come as a uh, consultant and advisor to Charleston, and I would work with her during the weeks while she was there. That went on for five years, and then in 2017, uh, she needed help here in New York and asked would I come and work for her in her, in her office here, and so I moved to New York. 
and did that until July 1st of 2020. And then I uh, decided to take advantage of this moment of, of shift. And, um, you know, people are saying it's a crisis, but I didn't receive this moment of 2020 as a crisis for myself. It was a shift. Um, right. Mm. I did experience very sad moments. I lost loved ones, um, lost about 10 family members um, during so COVID. Um, you know, so there were there was that side of it. But also, I believe that whatever you label a thing is what it will be to you. Absolutely. And so I was not going to label this year as a crisis or that year as a crisis for me. It was just an opportunity to shift. And I took advantage of that to do something for myself. And I, I did quit uh, working with Fern. And um, then I just positioned myself to do coaching and consulting full time. And then I ended up being tapped by the CFDA to uh, work with them on a few creative projects and also um, some DEI initiatives. So it's, you know, it's very humbling, but also I just believe that what you are looking for is always looking for you. Right. You know, I really am a, a man of faith and I believe that our lives are so destined and if we just keep ourselves in our authentic place, then everything that is connected to our trajectory, uh, we will just discover it as we go along. And so for me, it was um, a moment of the unknown. I had no plan when I quit. I had no idea, no strategy. Strategy. I hadn't talked to anybody. I hadn't put my resumes in anywhere, but I knew that this was a moment of transition. So what was next? It would have to show up on time. You're such an optimist. Wow. You deserve yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. How you're kind of a well of knowledge. It oh, seems you. like not only in professional endeavors, but also when it comes to uh, personal discovery and mm -hmm. being aligned with who you are as an individual. Mm -hmm. Has that been something that was instilled in you from a young age? Is it something that yes. you found a value in as you stepped into the space that you're working mm. in? No, all my life. I didn't have a choice. My parents, um, you'd have to know them. My, so I'm a military brat. Both my parents are retired Air Force. They're uh, both retired master sergeants. So those of them did 24 years in the United States Air Force. But uh, my dad, from the time I could remember that I could walk or talk, my dad made sure that I understood uh, the importance of being an individual. Mm. And um, oh my gosh, like growing up from me was so interesting because I was made to talk. People, people talk about me being a talker. I am a talker, but they don't understand <laughs> that I was made to talk. Like my dad, uh, I was one of the, the kids. Well, I'm an only child, but also like with my family, they'll tell you Elliot was the one who was allowed to talk back, you know, growing up being a black man from the South. Yeah. Uh, you know, our homes, you know, when adults are talking, children don't talk Stand and you don't talk back place. to adults. That wasn't my yeah. case. My dad would say that, you know, you have to express yourself. And, there, and he taught me that being a man was about uh, making decisions. Mm -hmm. A man has to be able to make decisions. And then also you have to be okay with whatever comes from those decisions that you make. He, and literally that was it. And you also have to be able to express yourself. And mm -hmm. so he never made me feel guilt, shame, or fear for having, taking the moment to express myself. And he actually required that of me, um, in my, my mother as well. And so, you know, as I grew up, <laughs> then it was, you know, there were many times I expressed myself and I was getting up off the floor, you know, because mm -hmm. there was a way that you mm -hmm. express yourself. But he really did teach me the value of self-expression and not knowing it's interesting because oftentimes you know my parents to this day they still don't know what I do they'll tell you he, he does something in fashion when people ask well what's Elliot up to they always say he's probably at a fashion show they have no clue <laughs> what I do but it's interesting because I believe that at some point they had to have some revelation that I would be this voice that I am today and I would I would use, you know, my ability to speak to help enhance, grow and develop people. Um, you know, all my report cards when I was in grade school, they all say excessive talking. Um, <laughs> but I'm so glad that I didn't allow that to cause me to have a negative narrative mm -hmm. with myself because then to this day, then I would have a fear or a reservation about using my voice um, if if that was the case. But it's interesting 
interesting because the thing that was could be looked at as negative when I was a child mm-hmm. is what I now get paid to do. Yeah, um, so and I think that when we give ourselves room to just be, um, you know, we'll find that most times in life we're actually unbecoming to become. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and I think that I've been very, when I think of privilege, I, I will say I have been very privileged in the way that my identity always had space. Um, yeah. wow. And that's nothing I take for granted. So I believe that even connecting with other people, I'm always trying to allow them to, number one, make sure that when they're around me, that their identity is in a safe space. You can be who you are around me without mm-hmm. judgment. Um, Um, But then also let them know that really once you practice your identity and your authenticity, you can perfect it to to maintain it in any place and space. And I know that's not that's not always easy considering our programming and we're all products Mm -hmm. of our environment and and could be, quote unquote, victims of our circumstance. But at the end of the day, you know, you can just be and it is okay, and nothing is wrong with you. Well, so well said. I wish that the listeners, you know, and everyone who will eventually come across this recording to could see or feel how effervescent you are. I think that mm-hmm. every time I hang out with you, you exude it. But I, don't, for some reason right now, I'm so connected to you. That and it might be lot. because mm-hmm. I'm now learning more about you and realizing that we actually share so much in common. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Oh. And even listening to the history of how you began and made it in New York City, quote unquote, it's very, very inspiring. And I think it's a result of coming into it enthusiastic, optimistic, and then doing your best to see how best you can help or contribute to this situation i think that that's the key to succeeding in anything and you know thank you for reinforcing that you just you really just a chill just ran up my spine and you saying that because what i realized and i didn't understand this until maybe in the last three weeks and i was doing a, a interview or a conversation with someone and something hit me that in my life and this touches to something you asked marcus about did i have a plan you know, to where I would go in fashion. I never thought I would be in this place at all. I All I knew was what was right for the moment. Um, but literally every job that I've applied for in this industry, I have never gotten. Not, not only had I did not get the job, I didn't get in, uh, a callback for an interview. Like I was never responded to. And I believe that one of the reasons is because uh, my personal brand has been intimidating like I would talk to some recruiters and people would say well probably because of your personal brand brand visibility people yeah. would feel like oh well you know why are you applying for this and you already have this audience you already right. have this this platform but I had to build that for myself because you know where I come from I didn't come from a fashion market there was no I had to create my own opportunity and so I did that out of necessity so I could make money doing uh, doing yeah. what I did but um, I really never had this plan to be this brand or have like that wasn't the thing I just wanted to be able to supply uh, to supply what I had for the demand that was present and so I really have when I think of the opportunities that I've had there they are literally opportunities that came because people called me with a problem and I had an answer right. um, so I've I've really literally navigated my career problem solving now that I think wow. about it even even in my consulting people call me because there's a disconnect there's there's um, you know a hole there's a void and they they understand that I have something that can help bridge it or feel it and um that's yeah that's really interesting to me that that you even just said that because it's something i'm just now realizing about my life i relate to it very much um in addition to everything that you're doing you also have a book i do (laughs) what was it like to write that book and how did that come about so this is interesting so my book um 
in doing PR, mm-hmm. the the way that I work, because I'm very much a people person, so I would find that my clientele, um, we would develop the most personal relationships. And so what was interesting to me was that when their contract was up, sometimes they renewed and sometimes they didn't. But when I moved to Charleston and I decided to go back to school, of course, I had to cut down my clientele. And then some some just decided to go with other agencies and or other representatives. And I was happy to make recommendations. I didn't take that personal. But what was interesting about the conversations was people would say, but we still have to be able to talk because <laughs> like, yeah. I need your help. And, you know, it's uh-huh. interesting because you're people's PR representative, but then you end up talking to them about divorces. You end up talking to the, to them through uh, abortions and and mental breakdowns and depressions. And I mean, whatever. I mean, it, it's so interesting the things that people will bring you um, to the table. But I've always been that person throughout my life. I can tell you both that. um even when I reflect on the time when I was in grade school, I was the kid that people came to with their problems and their issues. Um, you know, I, I I don't know. It's just a, it's just a thing. Um, and I just I'll say something that my grandmother told me. My grandmother told me um, before she passed some years ago, but she said that, you know, Ellie, you're one that people will be able to come to and give their deepest, darkest mm-hmm. secrets, the things that they can't live with. But because of the way that God has built you, you'll be able to take those things and you'll be able to allow them to live in you um, and they'll die in you so that they the other people can live. Wow. And that that's something even when I think about the things that I know and the things that people have given to me and trusted me with um I never never take it lightly or for granted um you know because as as a voice I believe that there's a responsibility that you have not just to speak but you have to listen twice as much as you speak um and so you know the art of listening is what really inspired me to be able to talk back to people and help people so out of that um then people started wanting to have these sessions with me and so I would I would go live and and talk on Instagram or Facebook a lot and just share thoughts and share motivations or wisdoms and things that were inspired from my conversations. And then I built this whole audience um, with it. And so I I developed this Facebook uh, show called uh, Destiny Conversations. And Mm so, um, I mean, I would go live Monday through Friday at 10 p.m. weekly. I mean, just teaching every night for a full hour about something. And this audience became so strong that they were like, we need to get together in person. So I I asked them if I did a weekend uh, retreat, would you all come? And they said yes. And so I planned what I call the Influence Architect Boot Camp. And it was a three-day intensive. I mean, when I say intense, it was three days of all kinds of uh, engagement on building your vision and finding your identity and and allowing your voice to have space and bringing more of you into your business or your career or your vision or your dream. Um, and when they left, they would have a full outline of of uh, basically a year plan that they could follow to get to wherever their desired goals were. And uh, I did that twice. This was in 2016. I, I did it twice that year. And interestingly, um, people wanted more and more and more. And so the second one that I had, uh, I invited a very close friend of mine, one of my former clients, who's actually my master coach because I'm a certified life and executive coach. But mm-hmm. Dr. Sequita Sutton, she came <laughs> as a guest speaker. And when she came, she brought all of these little books and pamphlets and worksheets. And, and I was just like, well, when did you get all of this? And she <laughs> said to me, she said, I get this talking to you. And I said, huh? She said, yes. Every time we talk, you inspire things, you pull out things. And I'm like, I'm going to make that a class. I'm going to make that a course. She said, and these are the results of my courses in talking to you. And she said, well, what I'm trying to figure out is I'm at your boot camp. Where's your material? (laughs) And I said, oh, I said, you know what? I'm going to sit down after this retreat is over and I'm going to write this book. And I did. And I I did it in seven days. Incredible. And I never 
intended to release it publicly. It was just going to be an internal workbook and I was going to use it for my boot camps just as material. So when you registered, you got the book and you were able to work through it over the weekend. And I would also teach through it as well because um, it is an actual workbook. It's mm -hmm. not just a book that you read. And so uh, when I when I moved to New York, uh, I started meeting all these people with Again, just in conversation that, you know, I'm working on this, but I don't know how to do this. And so I would just talk to them about little pieces. And I say, oh, you know where you are in life? You're at this place and you just need to learn how to connect the dots. And it's really not that you're a complicated person. You're a complex person. And we often confuse complexity with complicated mm -hmm. and they are two different things. And so when you when you change the narrative, you'll also change your reality and your experience. You know, so just talking to people like that and they're like, yo, where is that? I need that in a book. And I'm like, actually, that's chapter three in my book. <laughs> well, where is your book? It's not out. And so so after talking to all these people, then I met Rob Smith from The Fluid Project. Wow. And Rob Smith is the reason why I made the book public. Rob Smith. And oh, my God, he's so amazing. When I tell you he and I connected in a way, um, it, it was just destiny. And and he allowed me to just pour into him. And he invited me to The Fluid Project. This is before it was even um, open. It was just it was still being built out under right. construction. Mm -hmm. He took me on a tour and he was talking to me about the vision. And I was so inspired of his journey of exploration with self mm -hmm. um, that inspired him to build something for other people to find themselves. It's very I, accomplished. I cannot even tell you what that conversation was like for me, how inspiring. And so I'm like going in and I'm talking to him deep. And he says, where were you when I needed a coach? <laughs> and I said, well, you know, everything is in divine timing. And he said, seriously, he said, you need to put this information in a book. Yeah. And I said, I have one. And he said, well, why isn't it out? And I said, uh, I don't know. He said, Elliot, you need to get that book out. He said, and if you get it out, I'll allow you to do your book launch party here and I will wow. take care of everything. And he did. And it was that conversation that I, I then said, okay, I'll make it public. Incredible. And and I had uh, October 18, 2018 is when it came out and I had the party um, there. And even that, going back to the bond issue release, I had just gotten to New York at that time. I'd only been here less than a year. And you just don't know. I, I mean, I, I was saying that I would be excited if 10 people came to the book signing. <laughs> when we put that out on social media, you guys, over 100 people showed up to that book Amazing. launch party. And yes. it was it blew my mind. I mean, it was so overwhelming because I'm like, y'all y'all have been paying attention to me like like I matter to you that way for them to come and um, not only that they shopped the fluid project stayed all yeah, night we stayed open sure. two, hour, yeah. two hours past um, time I mean it was amazing and people even flew in I had a young lady from Indiana that I didn't know who follows me on Instagram um, and came to my book launch party because she said she knew that she needed to meet me and I was not coming to Indiana fast enough <laughs> and so she needed to come and meet me she asked her husband could she fly and she came to the book launch party straight from the airport and so I went to dinner with her after that and I she asked me a question she said I want to ask you how can I build the first fashion week in Indiana I oh, need wow. your help I had one meeting with her gave her some instructions gave her some connections and eight months later she had the first fashion week Incredible. in the city wow. of Indianapolis Indiana and I was able to fly and be a special guest she brought about seven professionals from New York um, and it was amazing just from a conversation so you know I really do believe that like uh, uh, Maya Angelou says you know your legacy is everyone's life that you touch right. along the way and you don't mm -hmm. know whose life you're touching especially with this digital format you can you can post something that uh, allows people to be inspired so that they don't commit suicide I mean you just never know where somebody's at in the moment that they find your post and so right. um 
I know I said a lot in that answer. No, but incredible. Tell everyone that the book is called first. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm, you know, as much as I can talk about the story, I'm really bad at promoting the book. (laughs) um, But it's called the Influence Workbook. Yes. Yes, and it is on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, um, and it's also available at my website as well. But um, it is, it's, it's keys and wisdoms on how to trajectify your life. Fabulous. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. And it allows you to build your own system because, you know, we try all these other systems, but most times we don't take the time to build for ourselves because 100%. I am for people who are intending to live from the inside out. Mm. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like you have a superpower when oh. it comes to uh, helping to direct people. And I feel like we're surrounded by a lot of people that have a lot of information mm-hmm. in the space that we're mm-hmm. in um, and still they may not be as effective as you are. What do you think it is that's giving you almost a leg up and connecting with someone and helping them to be more directed? Do you think it's the listening? Is it a love of empathy? I think it's all of those things, but I also believe it's because I've done the work for myself. Mm. Um, and most times it's like clubhouse, right? <laughs> you can get on, you can get on the app. You know, we have all this information available to us. And, and so it becomes information overload, but then it's like, well, how is this going to work for me, you know, individually? And what do I do for myself, especially when we become, we become addicted to so much information and that's okay. Cause the information will help you grow. But what we have to understand Marcus is that we all were born with divine intelligence for ourselves. And one thing that I tell people is your intelligence will inform you. What makes my book so awesome is that I'm really, really not giving you anything. What I've done in my book is allowed you to have a course of action for you to dig within yourself Mm. and find your own answers. Because at the end of the day, you do have the Mm. answer. You may not believe it, but if I can help you tap into a place where you have not just been able to tap into before, um, because I've done that with myself, so I know the journey, which is why I'm able to listen, which is why I'm able to be a a great listener um, and also to to, um, be empathetic. That's the word that you said. I'm also able to be empathetic because I know what it's like because I've done it um, your journey is going to be different from mine but at least when it comes to those moments where you could have blockers or barriers in going deeper or going further I can help encourage you but yeah. at the end of the day the journey for us when we go within I believe that we're never without and so my my niche I guess you can say is always helping people to go within and not necessarily um, pushing them to so many outside uh, resources or support systems or even um, aids because when you were born I have this thing that I say if I was to give both of you an apple an apple seed or all three of you an apple seed and tell you to go outside and plant it and you came back in and after you planted and I asked you what did you plant what would you tell me you planted an apple seed seed. but you didn't you planted an apple tree because inherent in the seed of the tree is the tree itself I see. So it's all a matter of perspective but understanding that when you were born you are just like that seed everything that you need to be you already mm. are. Right. You just mm. go through the process of it being revealed wow. and you go through wow. the process wow. of development. And so understanding that that even the energy that you need, you were born with enough energy to get you out of how many millions of billions of sperm cells that are released. You were the one that that made it through, navigated by divine intelligence to hit the egg, to be birthed, to come through at this time in life. You know, so mm. we are not only, you know, born 
born with all this ability, but we're also born at the right time. Like when you look at your life and think about the time you were born, the time you've lived in with all that we see uh, developed in this age and all that we experience and all that could be negative. But like you were born for this reason and look at what you have to give and what you have to to help people and to help mm. connect people with through this time. Um, you know, it, it's so interesting. So I I want to remind people of that because I think that many times we're looking at ourselves as less than and mm. we need to look at ourselves as more than um, because it's not just about you not you having enough, but it's about you being more than enough. And um, so I just believe that most of what people are looking for, it's already looking for them and it's usually inside of them. And so that's the thing that I do help people go within. Wow. Yeah. I enjoy what you had to say earlier about systems. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of the time everyone follows systems that have been put in place to Mm -hmm. regulate us, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it has its advantages and disadvantages. I think they're meant for us to follow and then understand Mm -hmm. and then figure out how we fit into that situation which will lead to extending past what we're typically used Mm -hmm. to or what we know Mm -hmm. and i very much enjoy that now how do you because i think a lot of it too has to do with identity at the end of the day you have to figure out who you are and how you can further think about how to propel this situation how do you balance your identity or do you struggle with the identity of this is who I am professionally and this is myself like how am I putting the two together do I care that people will try to like figure that out how do you figure out how you stand in your space that's really good um for me it's about understanding what I am not um and many times when I've been in spaces where I'm really wasn't sure I've always been very sure of who I am sometimes I'm not really sure how that's showing up or how I'm presenting that um Mm -hmm. so then I look at what I don't want to be and what I don't want and then I'm able to then figure out okay this is how it should be for me and this is how it's going to be um for me and I believe that especially just so you're talking about systems um understanding that you get to decide (laughs) you know no one decides for you um you know and as and also being okay being different that's the thing that I grew up with you know as a child I think also because I'm an only child so you know being an individual and you know occupying a space by myself um is okay for me um I don't I don't feel I don't feel the negative uh, feelings of loneliness that I believe moves people to become a part of the crowd or a part of the system mm-hmm. um, because it's it's that feeling of loneliness that can sometimes have you feel isolated. But I don't translate it that way. I just I'm OK just accepting I'm just different, you know, and that doesn't make me better or less than I'm just different. And so um, for me, being OK with difference is what um, is what empowers me. And also even helping people understand that that's one of the biggest things that I believe uh, is a barrier for when it comes to the diversity and inclusion element it's just mm-hmm. that most people are not okay we 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 fear difference um mm, we right. fear what we don't understand um and then for those who are different uh if it's not fear then usually they start to feel guilty about their own biology or guilty about mm. their own dna and their than. rna and so then there's issues of love there and and respect and so um you know then you have to deal with the illusion of an identity that you're not because you've been so used to being something that you're not in order to make other people comfortable I'm just not here for any of that. Um, And I I understand it. I really do. But I've seen what it does to people. Yeah. Um, And for me, I just choose not to have that. You know, I have my own struggles. I have my own insecurities. um, But I just don't allow them to be in control of me. I try to remain um, in control of them. 
Wow. That's what I'm learning. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, it's, guess, it's real. Yeah, you know, 100%. It really is. You just yeah. want to do, see what makes sense to you, and mm-hmm. go forward with that. And I think a lot of it, too, has to do with how we compare ourselves to mm-hmm. everyone else or what yeah. we feel mm-hmm. like we should be doing or what was instilled in us in terms of achievement mm-hmm. and accomplishment. Mm-hmm. And what mm-hmm. we have to realize is at the core of it, none of it matters. You just have to mm-hmm. live your own person authentically and comfortably yeah. mm-hmm. and see how best you can collaborate with people in a way that feels good. Yeah. Right? yeah. And I yeah. think too, the other thing for me is also having a circle of people that are unimpressed. Um, you know, I really do. I have my, my inner circle is so unimpressed with anything like every, I mean, there's nothing that they see that they're like, Oh, that's so awesome. Like, I mean, they're just, you know, they, and they, they're not in the industry. That's another yeah, thing. Yeah. I have, you know, a circle of people who are detached from all the hype of what, you know, most people who are in fashion, uh, you know, would hype me up about, mm-hmm. you know, there are people who really do know me. They've, they've known me from, you know, grade school on. There are people that have watched me struggle. They, they know, you know, where I come from. So they really are the ones who could celebrate these moments. But then one thing that uh, one of my best friends, she said to me, she said, Elliot, but we're not going to do backflips about this stuff because it's what we always knew concerning you. Like, we're not surprised yeah, that any of this huge. stuff is happening because it's what should be. Yeah. And and I, that, that really helps me because, you know, I think even just for ourselves and in, in acquiring, you know, these moments in our successes, mm-hmm. um, just understanding that it was always supposed to be, you know. And so I, when you occupy these spaces, you don't have to, you know, hold on to them as if it's, you know, something that wasn't for you that you all of a sudden just got by happenstance. No, this was always for mm-hmm. me. And I'm also able to share it because it does belong to me. And so I don't, I'm not in fear of it being taken away because what's for me is for me and what's for other people is for what's other people. That's another thing I'm, I'm allowed to. Uh, I love the fact that I'm always trying to open doors for other people or give other people uh, platforms, use my own platform to promote and give other people um, opportunity uh, because I'm just not really, I don't deal with the comparison or the fear of something being taken away from me. I have such an infinite supply of wisdom, talent, gifts, and abilities that I will always be able to create any space for myself because that's what I am. I am a creator who can create. Um, I'm not just creative. I am a creator. And so the ability to be able to create is to take something from nothing and make it something, you know, or to see something in nothing. Mm -hmm. I'm getting chills yeah. from your energy. Yeah. Just... Wow. <laughs> Contagious. Thank you. What is, so you're stepping out of 2020, which was a shift mm-hmm. and stepping into 2021. What's next? What do you have planned? What are you excited about? You know, um, I do want to write another book. Um, I really do. I haven't just figured out what direction I want to take. I have so many themes and I think I have all these chapters that I've already kind of put notes to that I could plug into, but I really do want to write another book. Um, one that's more personal about my life, um, experiences Mm -hmm. and things that I went through. I will tell you one of the greatest experiences that could be, it was honestly one of the lowest places I've ever been in my life was, um, 2018 through, early 2019 um i lived in a homeless shelter um here mm. in new york um yeah while working while doing everything and most people wouldn't <laughs> even know but um i did um and it's a it's such a there's so many layers to the story but i did but when i moved here i moved here within seven days so that was the yeah. thing like people didn't i didn't have time to apartment hunt and do all that stuff so i just moved here stayed with a friend i do what people do when you come to new york and um couch surfed until i couldn't do that anymore and then so i tried to enter into uh this housing program you know with the city and the requirement was you have to um 
you have to uh, live in this shelter, you know. And the truth is, I wasn't making enough money to to afford a place on my own. Yeah. Um, it was very very difficult. And living in that space with people who are uh, drug addicts and you know people in the hallway shooting shooting up heroin and uh, people who have mental issues, all of these things, um, you know. And I just thought, wow, like I'm here. I never thought I would be in this place in my life. Like, and considering where I come from, you know, I'm I'm what you would consider black privilege. My parents didn't know. I didn't talk to them for a whole year because I wouldn't let them know. Mm-hmm. Um, the situation that I was in, but it was something that I knew I was only going through. And I think that's the thing that helps me get through it is just understanding this is a moment and life is happening for me and not to me. And so understanding that then there's something in this place that I'm supposed to gain. There's something in this space. There's a strength. And what it taught me was that speaking of identity, we often allow our experiences to dictate our identity. And your experience and your identity are two different things. And you are not the victim of your experience doesn't or being a victim of experience doesn't narrate your identity and doesn't shift your identity. And so just understanding that this is an experience, but it is not me. And looking at who I was, I knew, okay, it's only a time before uh, this will shift for me because this, I don't even belong here. Like literally that was my thing. I don't belong here, but it's necessary. And I think when I allowed myself to just understand that it was necessary, um, I I let go of the control. I let go of the fear. I let go of the guilt. I let go of the shame Um, because all of that is like, you know, there's shame about man, like look at who you are out here, but look at if people knew where you lived and there was a guilt Mm. like, Oh, you know better than this. Well, look at the people you work with. You work with multimillionaires. You work with top executives. You work with all of these people and you're living here. Like, I mean, when I, the conversations that go on in your head, but, um, just understanding how to speak back to that. And, and like I said, just being a person of faith, understanding that God, this, you didn't bring me here for this to be the end. So I don't know how you're going to work this out, but I know that you will work this out and I'm just going to allow that to be. But it was, um, it was an experience when I tell you, I, I, I'm like, wow, but I did it, you know, and, and it's something that when I look back, it's the same thing that I did when I quit school. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Like I, I, I took what I had and positioned myself to be in a place of, I don't know, a place of nothing and then built something out of it. So although this is a different experience, it's still the same thing. Elliot, you, you've been without before. So I don't ever have to yeah. fear being without because I have a history that says I can take something and make I can take nothing and make something out of it. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing <laughs> yeah. all of that. Thank yeah. You. I couldn't be more inspired. I couldn't be more proud. I think it's rare that I interview people or talk to people and feel like they've paid their dues, you know, and oh. I genuinely feel that with you. And I hope that everything coming after for you is even more immaculate because you, you deserve it. Thank you so much for sharing that story. I'm sure that it will help everyone listening to this, all of our young listeners, especially. I guess the last question would be if you had to give one advice, and I know that you mentor, which brings everything full circle with your philanthropy. Um, what is the advice that you would give to the upcoming generation, those who want to make it, especially after this time? in a place like New York City? I would say, don't be afraid to color outside of the lines. Um, And the reason why I say that is um, I really understand, like when you were a little boy or or a little girl for anyone who's listening, and you colored your first coloring book or you got your first sheet, whatever, um, and you got a pen or a crayon or a marker, whatever was available, and you just scribbled all over it, right? And then 
you gave it to your mom or your aunt, your grandma, father, whoever it was at the time, and they probably put it on the refrigerator. I said, oh, Johnny, this is really nice. Oh, Susie, this is really nice, right? And you colored like that as long as you wanted to and until one day somebody told you that you're not supposed to color outside of the lines and that elephants aren't green and grass isn't pink and all of these things that now you've gotten this information these rules um and so you've adjusted the way that you approach creativity mm, wow. based on the rules that you now have gotten and then you get to a place in your life where you understand well, damn it, I want my elephant to be green and I want right. I want my grass to be pink and I want. And so you go back to it. And so I just I'm always trying to encourage people that when you get to that space, it is OK to break out of the mode. It is OK to shift your narrative. It is OK um, to change the rules for yourself because you do get to do that. And so I'm 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 always encouraging people to be OK in embracing um, the moment of coloring outside of the lines and don't be afraid. Wow. Thank you so that much. Great. Incredible. Thank you so much yeah, for coming. So yeah. coming. Really, this is a gift personally to me. So this is make sure it's always thankful. about exchange. So mm -hmm. thank you for giving to me, both of you. Both Absolutely. Of you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Elliot.